This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. This interview took place on June 8, 2018 at the Leonard Library in Williamsburg, Brooklyn with Bill Salzman. Well, thank you very much for asking me to speak a little about Greenpoint and uh, how things have changed over the last 60 plus years. Uh, not only for me, but for you know thousands and thousands of people here at Greenpoint. Uh, we've had uh, immigrants originally coming from Greenpoint from all over Europe, predominantly, you know, Poland, uh, uh, a lot of Irish people coming here, Puerto Ricans coming here, immigrating, uh, and uh, a lot of Jewish people as well. So my story is when I came here, as actually I, I was born in Manhattan, and we moved here when I was a little kid, and uh, it was, uh, but I remember in the environment, it was a very dark and very uh, dirty, you know, place to live. So I was a little, you know, a little shocked and very lonely from living in Manhattan where there was excitement. It was very dull and it was very, like I said, dark. Uh, I think the word to describe Greenpoint maybe back in the 1950s was gray. Uh, I would also say it was very noisy because as kids there was no anything to do other than scream and yell and run around causing ruckuses. And we did that, and a lot of that. So um, the waterfront was, was uh, night and day from what you see today with the beautiful condos and, and bicycle runs and people running in parks and, and the lighting and, and the ferry boats coming by. None of that was there 60 plus years ago. What you had in the piers was a lot of uh, ships were docking there because Greenpoint was a port, uh, important exporting of coffee, sugar, cocoa, uh, other supplies were coming in from from uh, all the way down to the Brooklyn Navy Yard to Long Island City. It was full of uh, merchant ships. And along Franklin Street, where I live, uh, there was a lot of hustle and bustle over there, lots of bars and pool halls and whatever. Uh, so there was a lot of activity, and but it was you know on, let's say, the, the dark end in many ways. There was a lot of drinking. Uh, there was a lot of uh, drunkenness taking place and, you know, fighting taking place and whatever. So it was a real, you know, Bowery's Boys, if you will, kind of uh, uh, neighborhood, especially in, in Greenpoint area. On um, Down on Milton Street, you can see a big sign that says Greenpoint, and there's a Greenpoint Piers, because the Piers were very active uh, with us at Merchant Ships and everything. As a kid, I used to go into the water. You know, I would actually, you know, jump off the Piers and we'd swim in there and, and uh, have a lot of fun, uh, just like in the old movies, you know, we would do that. No one thought about the environment uh, back in the day. Uh, no one thought about, you know, clean water, uh, clean air, anything of that nature. The bridges which, you know, so, uh, you know surround uh, Greenpoint, the Williamsburg Bridge to the south and to the north, you have the 59th Street Bridge. They would clean them and paint them all the time. And of course, that's all lead paint. So that would be all over, you know, Greenpoint. There was a lot of health issues that I was aware of growing up. Lots of women had breast cancer. People would say, you know, Greenpoint was the cancer capital of the, of the nation. I never knew that to be true because back in the day, you know, if you had cancer, uh, you never told anybody. It was like, you know, back in the 80s when people had HIV and AIDS, they wouldn't, you know, you're not supposed to tell anybody because they thought you, if you touched someone, you could get cancer. It was so medieval thinking that it was very strange. But as the years, you know, passed by, you know, uh, I grew up, uh, I, I worked, you know, not only did I l live in Greenpoint, I went to school in Greenpoint. So I went to the, the local uh, Catholic school, St. Anthony's Church. I went there and um, 
I, I wasn't that good of a student, actually. So, uh, I, but I tried my best, and uh, there were some issues, but be that as it may, uh, it had nothing to do with the environment other than the fact that we had to be sure that when we came in, we were nice and clean and tidy. We had to have our ties tied and white, clean white shirts and, you know, gray pants and, and shiny shoes. It was very disciplined and very ordered. When I left, uh, when I graduated from, from there, I went to Eli Whitney High School, which I guess is in Greenpoint, which is not in Greenpoint now, which is in Williamsburg, uh, on North 7th and North 6th Street. And uh, uh, so I went to that school and I did very well. I graduated valedictorian. And in graduating valedictorian opened up a lot of uh, new uh, roads to me as far as leaving Greenpoint area. But before, but while I was there, you know, and in school, I also worked in Greenpoint. I worked on a butcher shop on Manhattan Avenue, Jewish butcher, which was always so very, very cold in there. On Greenpoint Avenue, I worked at Leventon, you know, the electrical place over there, you know, loading trucks. You know, when I was a very small kid, look, trying to get some money, we didn't have lemonade stands, so I would shine shoes because people didn't wear sneakers so much back then, they wore shoes. So I was very much in tune with what was taking place in Greenpoint and its environment. And it gradually started to change. Uh, when I went to college, because of, you know, graduated valedictorian, I was able to go to New York City Tech, and then I went to NYU. NYU, I had a very, very good education. I was able to get a job again in Greenpoint very quickly at the Greenpoint Savings Bank on Manhattan Avenue on Collier Street. So I worked there in initially as a teller, and then I was became account an accountant there, a junior accountant. And then from there, I got a job working in Manhattan for the uh, New York uh, Commodities Futures Trading Commission. And that's where I found out, because we used to do audits uh, since uh, uh, in Greenpoint, because on West Street and on Milton Street and uh, Greenpoint Avenue to Quay, there were all of these little factory buildings, and what you stored in there was coffee, sugar, and cocoa. So it was amazing as a kid watching these places and going around them or whatever. Most of them were abandoned now except for some storage of coffee, sugar, cocoa. We'd have to do some auditing of that, and that's why we'd go into those. But it was also very dirty, dusty, and everything. It was like, uh, like I said, Greenpoint could be described as being very gray, no color. Now, over the last, I would say, it's hard to, to, to really pinpoint the exact time in many ways when Greenpoint really started to change. But I think that, you know, after the, the, uh, the piers all closed down on West Street, uh, and because all the Navy work and all the shipping and, and merchants went to New Jersey because it was cheaper and more efficient, um, things were very, very stagnant. So I think it probably around 2000, let's say, be before 9-11, there was a there was a change in Greenpoint taking place. And there were a lot of, thi maybe even 1998, things were changing and people, uh, you know, were, were improving more. Uh, the, uh, I think what was taking place in Europe had a big difference as well because the Polish community, uh, I'll give you a good example. When I worked at the Greenpoint Savings Bank, uh, most of the clients there were from Poland. And the, the we'd bring their, their passbooks because you had a little passbook you had to put underneath and click the register. It was a lot of, lot of physical labor working for a bank back then. No, very, very weak technology or very little technology as what you think of today. Uh, the first name would be 27 letters and, the and, the, and their last name would be 75 letters. You really wouldn't know how to describe it. And people would, what actually what people would do is they would come under the same name but different persons because they would come here from Poland 
they would work for six, seven months, get as much money as they could, go back to Poland, then the cousin would come and do the same thing. They would have an apartment maybe with eight to ten men living in there. So when they talk about immigrants, the immigrants in, in, in Greenpoint were tons of them from Poland that had nothing. They didn't want to be American citizens. They just wanted to be survived. And some stayed, and some went back, and then more stayed, and then children. And that's how the cycle has always been in New York City. So immigrants is really a part of, of Greenpoint uh, in many, many ways. And the Polish community is a good example of that. But that started to change after uh, communism fell in Poland. More people stayed, and then people went. There was a free exchange of people going back and forth anymore. And there was a, like a new life that took place. And then, and then other people discovered Greenpoint. Uh, uh, they call them today, they were saying um, hipsters uh, found Greenpoint and they started to buy up some of the property. Uh, some of the Polish people went back to Poland. They were selling their, their apartments and buildings, rather, not their apartments. They were selling their buildings, their property. And then people, uh, you know, the LGBT community coming, gay people come and buy property. People from Iowa buying property. People from, from California in particular coming and buying property and changing the whole dynamics of Greenpoint and wanting to, to have it part of their community. So a new richness, you know, came about. You know, Greenpoint has lots of churches. We have synagogues. We have schools that are doing very, very well. Um, after I went down to Wall Street working for the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, I worked there. Uh, then I worked down for a commodity brokerage firm in Manhattan, you know, doing very well. I was a vice president of that company. I did very well, made a lot of money, whatever. But I always sort of missed something. I never felt a community uh, like I did. So I left, I left there after about six years. And then I drove my bike as, you, as I drove here to, to see you today. I drove my bike uh, around and I realized something that I wanted to find something new in which I didn't have to worry so much about money anymore. I had a nice golden parachute. My dad owned the, uh, and grandfather owned the house I was living in. And I decided, you know, I wanted to give back, you know, something because education really made a big deal for me. I was not the same person in Greenpoint that I grew up with. A lot of the people that I grew up with were still doing the same thing. They had a high school and they wanted to work with their hands and whatever. I wanted to use my mind and my imagination to do things. So I wanted to give back a little bit so I became a teacher. And one of the first schools I taught in was over at the Grand Street campus now. Uh, it was a then called Eastern District uh, High School. Uh, then I worked for Automotive High School, which uh, I really enjoyed. and, and I. And then I uh, became an assistant principal there of guidance, which I was able to work with a lot of different uh, entities in the school. Although most of the students, I would say like 90%, didn't come from Greenpoint. And I couldn't understand that, uh, why we have a fantastic school here teaching auto mechanics and auto bodybuilding and everything else was not coming here. So I developed a whole new technology department. And I got a, a grant from the New York State Department of Education of over $250,000. We took some classrooms that were not being used by the auto shops anymore. They hated me, but we turned it into technology, and we started building, building a, a really new technology department in Automotive High School, too. Because you really can't be uh, building cars in the 20th century, the 21st century, that only deal with a wrench. You know, you have to be able to know technology. And today, you know, look what we have now. We have driverless cars. We have the technology. Uh, you can say, Alexa, in the car, what is this? the uh, GPS services that are available in cars, computers that are in cars. So, w you know, back then they, we were in the forefront. And I was lucky enough that I was able to make a difference in that school. But then I was asked to uh, 
uh, to, that I'd like to be a principal. I could have stayed there, probably been a principal. But in Manhattan, they had the idea of opening up a LGBT uh, high school for students. Although it was geared for LGBT, it was open to all students who wanted to go. So I became the founding principal there in 2003, and uh, I never looked back. It was just a wonderful, marvelous experience. Uh, now, Greenpoint was not Manhattan. You know, uh, uh, there was it was I in uh, a different environment, very political, whatever. I did enjoy it, but I. I certainly did miss my roots back in Greenpoint when I was teaching and, and being a principal uh, here. Uh, then I, I, I'm retired now. I, I still I have property in Greenpoint. I drive my bike in Greenpoint, and I try to reach out to the community as much as I could. You know, when we look at the streets, because I'm riding my bike all the time, so what really is changing the environment here, the air is much cleaner. When uh, I don't have to wear a mask, except sometimes when there's construction going on. But I feel the errors. I, my lungs don't cough. When I was a kid, I used to cough a lot. And because now they have new uh, environmental standards where the bridges, if they're going to be painted, they have to be covered. You know, lead is not going all over the place. I don't hear people saying they have breast cancer anymore or, you know, we're the center of the cancer uh, in the United States. You know, I don't hear that anymore. I have you know, a lot more people wanting to move here. The whole um, uh, waterfront is changed in so many beautiful ways. There are ducks and swans and birds all over. Uh, you see the, the dogs running around the streets, children in the parks and fields. I wish there was more money to, to build up some of the parks in Greenpoint. The one on Franklin Street, the uh, Greenpoint Playground, I don't know where the money is, but that park hasn't been you know, fixed in 30 years. It really is a sad state of affairs. There's so much money for the condos, a t you know, two million dollar condo, two bedroom unit condo, and they can't even spend anything to fix the green, uh, the uh, the park over there, the Greenpoint playground. If anything, some money needs to go there. There are kids there. I just came from there riding around there. There must have been about 20 little children in baby carriages on the little swings and everything. There, are, there, are, there are potholes there for the water. So you talk about mosquitoes. The mosquitoes are, are, are going to come in the hot summer days, and they're, they're going to lay their eggs there. There's no drainage system. It's, it's improper. They try to fix it. They put Band-Aids on it. Fix it. Make it look really good. I know Milton Street, I mean, uh, McGloric Park, they're doing a nice job over there. Thank God that, you know, uh, the community uh, organizers and Lentil have been able to get some money to make that happen, also with Steve Levin. Uh, McCarran's Park, they're being worked on. It's very, very good. But we have one little park on Franklin Street between Milton and and, and uh, uh, Milton and what is it? Uh, uh, I can't even think of the name offhand. But Greenpoint Playground. Please put some money into there. Our kids need it. I need it. I want to go there in the park too and do some tai chi and some exercise in there, because it's nicely organized where teenagers, adults, and little kids can go into that park. And it's small. It's only about an acre, a little less than an acre, but it's a wonderful thing. So the air is so much better in Greenpoint. The water, uh, I, I still, it's hard for me to believe that I was actually swimming in the water 60 years ago. Uh, I do remember things floating by that I will not mention. I remember oil streaks in the water there and, and stuff, but we never, you know, we were kids. You know, I was 12, 13 years old. Who knew about disease and bacteria and all that other stuff? I'm very blessed, in fact, that, you know, I'm a healthy, you know, man in my 60s and not, you know, crippled because of all the, the diseases that were around me. Maybe I took good showers, I guess. Uh, 
or tried to live healthier, and I also thank my, mm -hmm. my, my higher power for that. But, you know, uh, the, so the water is better, the air is better, the streets are cleaner. The sanitation department, I would say, is doing, you know, an, an A-plus job. Some days they're not. When the holidays, it's really hard because of the pickup, you know, because I have a Monday schedule. So all the holidays fall on Monday. <laughs> my garbage doesn't get picked up. The recycle doesn't get picked up. But generally speaking, uh, the sanitation department is doing a, a great job. The transportation department with the streets are trying to do a good job. Uh, I, they put a new bus stop where I am, and it was terrible because now to get the bus stop there, the, all the traffic would block, would back up. And if the traffic is blocked backing up, that means they're idling. That means there's more dirty air. Someone did something right in the Department of Education for New York City because they extended the bus stop. No, that doesn't happen anymore. That was happening for about three months, and they fixed it. Uh, you know, so something is going right in, in, in Greenpoint. Uh, the bike lanes in between uh, Greenpoint Avenue and College Street really needs to be done a little better. It's very dangerous for me. Uh, there's one ghost bike there now. I, I don't want to be one of those ghost bikers, and I don't want anybody else to, you know, God forbid. But the, the share lane is just be a little, I don't know how they can fix it a little bit, but I know it can be fixed. If they can fix problems, they can fix it where cars and bicycles together can, can uh, be on the same path and get to where we need to get to. So uh, the, oh, the police department. When I was a kid, if you spoke, spoke up, and I saw this one woman, she said her son was being arrested for something silly in the park, and the, a police officer struck her in the face, knocked her down, and kicked her, and said, if you open up your mouth again, I'm going to arrest you too. That's what a police officer did to a woman, okay, trying to protect her son. Not today. I was the, the, the captain over in the 94th Precinct today is a very respectful, uh, not only to the community, but to anybody that walks in that door. I went in there uh, a week ago Friday, had a question and a concern. They didn't know who I was. You know. I walked in there, treated with respect, hi, how are you, uh, is there any problem I can help you with? Yes, sir, let's go over here, we'll have a seat. And they treated me like an, uh, an, a respected adult citizen, not like a piece of garbage. What a difference things have taken place in Greenpoint. And I think a lot has to do because people are now are standing up for their rights and they're giving back what they're getting. If you get respect, you're gonna give respect. And I have a lot of respect for the fire department, the police department, the sanitation department, the transportation department here in Greenpoint lately. Over these last 10 years, remarkably things have changed. And over the last, I would say, two or three years, even more so. Now, there's a lot of new construction taking place on the waterfront. There's uh, one 40-story, uh, another 45-story, uh, and I think there are a couple more going up and a lot of 10s. And it's uh, some of the buildings, I think, are you know, low-income low as well. Uh, they look beautiful. And for what I see what take place in Leningsburg and what has taken place in Astoria, Long Island City area, uh, Greenpoint seems like the last one right in the middle they're going to do a good job, and they're going to give to the community a beautiful waterfront parks and ferries and things, and keeping this neighborhood clean. It's like a cooperation between, you know, the community that has been here and the new community that's coming in. Now, there are a lot of people from the community that I grew up with that are very angry and very upset with everything that's taking place, with good reason, because they're locked into an old mentality. They bucked up into the 1950s, 60s still. 
and they don't want to change. But that's common to everybody. Nobody likes change. Everybody hates change. It's just the next generation, as we go, like, oh, this music is terrible. Oh, that music is terrible. Well, my music is better. It's the same thing. So I think, uh, you know, the, the community, that the new community that's in now, as people call, let's say, quote, unquote, hipsters, um, if there's a lot more communication between the people that are here, th it'll be fine. Because basically, the people who live here are still here, um, that are, can be here because they can afford the rent or they own the property, because that's what's really the, the issue is, is money, as it always is anywhere you go. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of love on both ends. And, and I know, in fact, that the, the churches, the Reformed Church with Pastor Ann, the St. John's Church, the, the, the uh, uh, Lutheran Church with Pastor uh, Katrina uh, over there, uh, and the uh, St. Anthony's Church with uh, Father Davey and the other pa uh, priests there are doing marvelous work with the community and stuff. Not only that, the synagogue, is doing outreach also for 12-step programs for people with food and, and things of that nature who need assistance. There's only so much a church organization can do, a religious organization can do, but there is help there. And we do have shelters here that some issues uh, that people have and I have as well, but I think that's where the community needs to you know, have their voice being heard. You can't just sit back. Sometimes you need to just not complain, but go to a meeting. I go to the 94th community meeting. It's it's an hour, uh, you know, and it once a month, and it's not even during the summer, so it's only 10 months. So once in a while to get there and to say a couple of words, I think is smart. Uh, a gentleman was at the meeting, uh, made a complaint because his wife and daughter were arrested, possibly on a false charge. So he was able to speak up to the lieutenant of the police department there. His words were heard, his words were respected, and everyone gave him support. They'll do an investigation to see whether it was right or wrong that what happened. And, and, the, and the captain there marvelously said, if we were wrong, we'll admit it and we'll make corrections. So those are the things that, that there's, an, there's a way of communicating, not just pointing fingers, not just yelling and not worrying. But the environment couldn't be better. No, it could be better. <laughs> no, it could be better. I am glad for the improvement. Don't get me wrong. But still... You know, we want to keep it clean, but not where you're penalizing everybody because there's a cigarette butt on the floor. Sensations sometimes give me, give me a ticket because there's a cigarette butt in the cup. Is that I didn't throw the cigarette cup, the, the or the cup into the street. Someone else did. Uh, I try to make sure that it's maintained. My my property is is clean and everything. Sometimes it gets a little silly. I know there's quotas that people have to follow, but generally speaking, there are new trash cans on Franklin Street. Wow, where did that come from? You know, I've been talking about that for months and months and years and years. Finally, new garbage cans. But guess what? Every weekend or every other day, those garbage cans are full. Why are they full? Not because they're small. They're full because people are making, a, wanting to put their trash in the garbage can. So now the sanitation has to take that into account and actually go there and empty them out maybe a little bit more regularly. Because now they're an eyesore when you see on Sunday morning all of these cups and everything sticking out and food sticking out of these, these beautiful-looking garbage cans. They need to – it's a nice size. They just need to – because they're very convenient and they're, you don't have to get your hands dirty. They take a lot of garbage very simply, but it needs to be, you know, removed a little better. Maybe just like my garbage is taken, you know, three times a week. Maybe that needs to be a little done a little bit more. 
So air quality is getting better. Um, the sanitation is getting better. The community is getting better. One thing someone said to me, you know, said I'm going to be interviewed possibly, don't you forget to tell them how noisy it was. Greenpoint was extremely noisy. The trucks, the garbage things, the sirens, it was so noisy, you, could, you couldn't even think back in the day. And that's only changed recently. It has gotten better now. There, I know there are now time restrictions on the bars, even though it could be, you know, uh, they have to close their backyards at in 10 or 11 o'clock at night. On the weekends, they're, I think, they're able, able to stay till midnight or 11 o'clock. So that's helped. That's working together in the community. Uh, the the trucks are less noisy now, I think, because the, the police department gave them a, a truck route that they have to follow, not go off that truck route any longer. But you do still get the, the, the horns from the uh, from the taxis and Ubers that are there. It's a, li it's a little bit of a – not so much the Ubers because they, they are clocked in with a phone, but sometimes that honking. But it's less now than it has ever been. <coughs> I can't think anything of uh, anything else. Uh, so you are optimistic about the future for Greenpoint, with the environment, with you see things going going well. I mean, congratulations. You know, I went down to uh, Transmitter Park the other day, and I just sat there. Uh, then the day before, I saw I said to you I saw some swans, and this time I saw two little birds, and then the grass was growing over there, and some flowers coming up. Uh, it, the environment is getting better in Greenpoint. Uh, I think that. Sometimes we have to keep reminding ourselves that as humans, though, the environment doesn't fix itself. We have to help it along. That's nature. But we have to nurture the nature as well because people still want to throw things on the, in the ground. Young kids are not being responsible as they could, could be. Uh, people with their dogs, because they love their dogs and everything, uh, as, more as they love their children. But you know what? You know, you keep an eye on your children, sometimes more than you keep an eye on these dogs. You know, they're, they're pissing and crapping every place. They're not in the least the way they should be. And it's really disrespectful, not only to the environment, because they're going on the grass where people want to sit down on, but they're also uh, off-leash. And it could, be co it could cause danger to other children. It could cause danger to other dogs and things like that. We don't hear about everything, but we, but it ha it's I'm sure it's happening. So if, if a more uh, education, in a way, needs to be brought to the public, uh, you know, I don't like to call them rules and regulations because it makes it sound like you can't, but some every like if there was a, a information booth that people, as a reminder of the week, you know, something like that, or somebody can get something, a text on their phone, or like an Amber Alert, oh, this is clean up Greenpoint week, you know, pick up after yourself. And that's really all it is, really. It's just clean up after yourself. Yeah. Don't leave your garbage there. You know, you don't someone you don't invite someone to your house to, to to crap on your walls or your floors or leave cigarette butts all over. You know, clean up after yourself. I don't smoke. I try to put my garbage in the garbage can. You know, I, I'm I forget too, I'm human, it's no one's perfect. But I think reminders every once in a while are a good thing. Yeah. Arthur, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was it was really a pleasure. Uh, I've been at Greenpoint, you know, all my life. I've traveled the world. I've been to Asia. I've been to Africa. I've been to Europe. I haven't been to Antarctica yet. But one of the things, uh, and I've been to South America, I, I really love Greenpoint. It's my home. It's my community. And I always speak very highly of the other people. 
and I know more and more people want to move here. I think that the, the population grew to something like, like uh, around 25,000, and I think now it's going to be something like 55,000 in a very short period of time. So with that many people, uh, just communicating is, is a good thing. Signage, uh, respect for one another. I think that a lot of the infrastructure is, is improving. Uh, the water is, is a delight to see ships and boats and ferries and jet skis and kayaks in the water here. Uh, I, I don't know, there's still signs there's no swimming. I don't know about swimming, even though I did it, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, I don't, but it's, if, if a swan can be in that water today that was not there, I don't even know if the rats wanted to go in the water when I was swimming there, but the water looks so beautiful and it's very welcoming. And the environment, the, the air is cleaner. New York City air is cleaner than it was. You know, what a blessing that is. You know, to have children in uh, the American playground on Greenpoint, you know, fr on, in Greenpoint, on Franklin Street and Milton, to have little kids there on the swings, happy and laughing, that the air is cleaner, the water is cleaner, and the environment is getting better on a daily basis. What more could you want? 